Welcome back. We've got a review of the Coachella Invitational. Just one preseason game left for New York City before they open the regular season in Charlotte on February the 24th. And we'll have Nick Cushing, Burke Risa, Dean Smith from Charlotte, Greg Vanny, Los Angeles Galaxy, and then it's the big kit reveal. Big day in MLS on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. And they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. All right, here we go after a, a week off. And remember, we featured Maddie Lawrence in our last pod, one of the New York City commentators. Ariel Hudis is on deck, but he's covering Intermessi tonight. So we're going to give him a break and try to grab a Ariel Hudis and let him tell his story next week. And then after that, it'll be Roberto Abramowitz, my uh, wonderful co-host here on NYCFC Views. And then I guess I'll talk about myself at some point. But Roberto, yeah, welcome. Well, uh, it looks like, so you're just out of the lab. What, what were you studying? What, what, what were you identifying, uh, Roberto, with your new, uh, with your new goggles? Uh, I just, it's been almost three years without new glasses needed. So uh, I've upgraded the look. At least I believe I have. You seem not to think so. Fine, be that. No, it's way. just it's a matter of getting getting used to it. Uh, Shane, our producer, has a similar wide angle on his uh, glasses, so uh, we're all wearing the specs, and I'm just going with the same old ones I've had for about four or five years. So there I stuck with it. You know, that's so, fine. So, uh, Roberto, it was just uh, I really feel fortunate that I got out to this Coachella Invitational. I didn't know what was in store. A lot of teams. I was trying to get as many interviews as possible for both Sirius XMFC and the New York City Football Club, doing the streams of the NYC games. But I have to tell you, it all started with me. I mean, look, it was great to be there for the soccer, but I the surroundings were unbelievable. So there's this 10,000-foot mountain called San Jacinto. And no matter where you are, like it seems like whatever angle you were, you're, you're always staring at it. And... Uh, so, uh, Shane, let's go out of order a little bit. Show the Hugo Lloris. So Hugo Lloris made his debut for LAFC. I was at the game, and I took this picture. But look at the background. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. It, it reminds it, me a little bit of, uh, of Sandy, Utah. Just a little bit. But the mountains, or maybe because of the proximity of the stadium in Sandy to the mountains there. Uh, but, that, you know, that's spectacular. That, well, I mean, that is gorgeous country. It's, it's a little more uh, somehow wide open or a bigger sky. I'm not sure how to describe it other than the fact I probably should have San Jacinto a picture to show you, but just imagine 10,000 feet, snow covered, and uh, just... Uh, now, there was also... I, I was asking the locals, well, where should I go? You know, I had like half a day off. Where should I go where I can, you know, maybe five, six hours? And um, almost everybody said, you got to go see Joshua Tree. And then uh, Will Martin, who is Woody Wilder's assistant with Charlotte FC on the communication side, said, go at sunset. Well, I'm glad I did. So here's one of my sunset pictures uh, up at uh, Joshua Oof, Tree. Look at and that. Pretty, 
Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it was like, and again, you could see you could see Indio where where the games were taking place. You could see uh, Palm Springs and and Roberta. You'll know all these names. I don't know if uh, you know our younger sect that listens to NYCFC views would know, but Bob Hope, Lucille Ball. Uh, yeah. Desi Arnaz, Dinah Shore, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. I mean, there's this is where they all hung out. And I remember yeah. always hearing about it, but I didn't. Now I know why they went. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, I have friends that live in Palm Beach. So uh, I've been dying to go Palm to Springs? the area. I haven't. Palm, Palm Springs, Springs, rather. Yeah. Palm Springs, I mean. I'm yeah. sorry. Palm Beach is uh, the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, in nice Florida. Place too. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I'm dying to get out there. I have an open invitation to go whenever I want, and I just have to try to find the time to go out there and spend some time. It looks like absolutely stunning country. I mean, your pictures obviously verify that. You have a good eye for photography. Those are really great shots. So um, good job. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous for a lot of reasons. Um, wait, 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 wait. You got I... the call. Wait, no, let, let, me, let okay. me go. All right, all right. I mean, I'm jealous because... You, you got a chance to call all those games that I would have loved to have called as well. Uh, I'm jealous because you got that chance to be with not only New York City for the entire time, but and you got to meet a lot of the new players and uh, and got a chance to speak to all the coaches. I'm jealous because you got a chance to meet, you know, or, or speak to all the other teams and, and gather all that information. Uh, but I'm happy for you. It's a good jealousy. It's not a bad jealousy it's not like jesus i hate this freaking guy for that no on the well, contrary that's why, I, well, there's I'm another word jealous in a positive it's not jealous if there's another word it's called envy you know envious is it's less the connotation of envious is that you're happy for me but you wish you were there so go with envy okay <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm envious glenn yeah, yeah. sure right that, that was it yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, and there was one other uh, activity. So I, I really did work a lot, but it was nice work. I mean, just talking to coaches and breaking down. Yeah, that poor team. you. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly. yeah. yeah. But uh, I also got to golf a couple of times. Now, check out this. Again, the view of, of golf. This is my second shot coming up on the eighth hole. Look at the background. And now you can see San Jacinto. I forgot I had actually had a shot. So this is – you're walking around the golf course, and that's your background. I Where's mean, the team? Not well, the, the team. team. Where, where, where's the, the flag? Team. Where's the uh, green? It's straight ahead. You can you can see the little flag if you look right in the middle, just oh above center. Oh my goodness! Sand. I do see it. I seriously do see it. Look at all the and sand. You were able to get over those. You were able to get over those sand traps in one shot and and hit the green. I I don't think I no I don't think I landed on the green on this shot, but I got over the traps. I landed little uh, left center short of the green, uh, which turned Seems out to be to okay. be an incline there. But I don't. I mean, it's hard to say what the green oh, was yeah. like. No, it's a I mean, lot of you, side That could have been flat. Okay. Yeah, that could have been right. flat. Who but knows? Anyway, so this is, uh, you know, that's uh, so that's my trip. But let's get to the football here. And I, I think, uh, you know, New York City has this one match remaining. They're playing this closed door uh, scrimmage against Austin FC. They're going to play 120 minutes, 260 minutes on Saturday. So a lot of a lot of people will play, but the intent is to go with whoever the regulars are. And Nick told me after yesterday's scrimmage, Nick Cushing, he said, whoever we start on Saturday might not necessarily be the starting group the following Saturday. And certainly I think level of performance will play a role in that. But So they're gonna play two sixties, but five preseason games, including three at Coachella. Now I know we talked about this 
uh, at the beginning of all uh, about uh, whether winning in preseason is important. And because of the way preseason is structured, you're playing a lot of people, a lot of different minutes. Uh, I understand the obvious, look, results don't matter. But New York City, five matches, haven't won one of them, okay? They've tied three at Coachella after, earn, after getting the lead in all three matches. Now, th is that a familiar theme, Roberto? Yes, it's, it's, it's a continuation of 2023. It's different, but it's the same. It's different, but it's, it's the same kind of thing. And remember when I played the uh, clip with Keaton Parks a couple of weeks back regarding whether he thought it was important to win? He basically said, damn straight. <laughs> because we have to learn how to handle those latter stages of the game. Now, granted, yesterday's scrimmage against the LA Galaxy, uh, it was their entire, almost their entire second unit or reserve team or some players that might not even make the first team roster for sure. Now, given that the LA Galaxy game 2-2, up 2-0, understood that second half, it was uh, it's mostly reserves, a couple of guys that aren't even going to make the first team, like a uh, Rio Hope Gund at the back, uh, Maximo Carrizo, although he did well, uh, Nick made it pretty clear that he's going to get his minutes in New York City FC too, a 15-year-old. Going to talk about another 15-year-old that plays at Charlotte uh, in a little bit too. But in essence, Nick uh, seemed to just feel like overall they've grown during preseason. And uh, look, they're not going to focus on the results. They're going to focus on the fact that they want to be ready for February 24th. I know you agree with that, Roberto. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, just look at the, let's put the context around yesterday's game, okay? So, Emma, so New York City played their basically their first team to start the match, and they were playing against mostly Galaxy Reserve and Galaxy 2 players. When and the academy. second half started, right, the and academy, academy or whatever, or, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you get the point. And then when the second half started, the Galaxy put in a lot of their first team players, right? And New York City started switching out to a lot of their reserve players and a lot of their, um, and, and a lot of their either NYCFC two players or uh, academy well, they, players. And that's really, what they did. They basically flipped. So they flipped when, the script. Yeah, they flipped right. the script. New York City went with their, their regulars in the first half. The Galaxy exactly. came in with so yeah. they, they So they beat the Scrubs 2-zip, and then they beat New York City Scrubs 2-zip. I mean, that, oh, that, that's basically. Uh, you're going to hear from Mr. Carrizo on that one. but uh, <laughs> I'll hear from his dad. I know that I will. That's not a problem. Well, that's who I can I'm referring I can to. I can handle him. Yeah. I, can, I don't know if I can handle the 15-year-old, but his dad I can handle. That's, that's no big deal. But we've, let's had, get, we've had our nice discussions anyway. No, I really but, like the guy. He's really cool. But let's get back to no matter who's on the field, the fact that three matches where New York City had the lead, uh, they surrendered it and got a draw. New York City led MLS with 14 ties last year. So yep. this is a part. So I'm going to um, uh, serve up a little Nick Cushing here. Uh, we had a good long chat, uh, a lot of which, which will be on Sirius XMFC and, and some more here on NYCFC Views. But it was... Uh, Partly mentality. And uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Roberto. Nick visited Liverpool, Spurs, and Girona uh, during the offseason to just and, – and it wasn't by accident. It was like he just has looked at the mentality of those teams from the start of the game to the end of the game. If it's 1-0, they're still attacking, you know, and that's something that's really in consideration here. So uh, that's a goal – of the Nick Cushing 2024 
New York City Football Club. And uh, here he is uh, from our interview. He looked at a lot of the data around the team and the resilience and the maturity of the team. Because we have a young team, it's too easy to just say, well, we're young. We actually analysed the games in depth and there was far too many moments when, one, we were in one-goal games. So the games were always there for the opponents. And then once you really look in depth, you look at once we went 1-0 up, how many shots and attacks we had after that. So then you start to look at the mentality and the, the application of the team in the vulnerable moments. In, in, in an effort to make it 2-0, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I think if you look across all of the, all of the ties and maybe the games when we lost, any time that we were 1-0 up, we lacked a, a real consistency to continue to attack to make the game 2-0 to make the, to go to go on and that's probably our strength through 21 and 22 that we we scored multiple goals that won us multiple games um that is an area that we have to focus on in our pre-season and we have to put into our coaching program because that develops not only the attacking side of our game but also the mentality of our team so clearly put uh we want to go at it and get that second and third goal. I think a, a pretty good example of that, though, was the uh, opener against San Jose. Monsef Bakrar scored on a breakaway. The, the defender slipped at the halfway line, and he walked in and scored. Good finish. But a few minutes later, he had an even maybe more clear-cut upper opportunity and missed it wide to put New York City up 2-0. They end up right. tying that game 2-2. So it's not just about chance creation, not just about playing a higher defensive line, which you're going to this year, and they're, it's going to be a little risky, but they're trying to win the ball closer to goal. But then it's – you have to finish. Yeah, of course. And that, that was a big problem that they had last year. They couldn't finish, or at least not as, as often as they would have liked. And it's funny that you mentioned this. Uh, I was just on this week on the Five Borough Footy podcast, which was a fun interview. It wound up going like 90 minutes. And uh, it was actually on – wasn't as much a podcast as it was – uh, it was on Twitter or X on on audio. And it's probably still there if you want to download it. Somebody wants to download that. And it was funny because I took questions from a lot of the fans. And one of the things, especially from the uh, Cushing Out section of the fans, yeah, uh, that was one of the complaints that they had from last year, that the team seemed to have lost its flair, seemed to have lost its attacking uh, you know, mantra that the team had in years past. And as I try to explain, you know, it also has to do with personnel. It's not the same team. It's not the same quality, you know, last year, which is why this year, you know, they've invested more in players and brought in, you know, more players, more attacking players and higher quality players. And of course, one of the big points is, you know, that the team in 2022 lost Tasti Castellanos, right? And they still managed to make it, right? And still playing exciting attacking soccer, they still managed to make it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, where they wound up losing against Philadelphia. Now, last year, without a lot of the, you know, veteran leadership and, and a lot of the quality players that they, they had lost, obviously things went awry. So, um, you know, you you play to the personnel that you have. And I, I give Nick actually credit for that because it's hard. I think it's wrong for coaches to try to mold a team into what they think the formation is as opposed to analyzing who you have and then saying what is the best 
formation and tactics we can use as, you know, as because of the talent that we have. And I think that's always a better way to go. And uh, now this year, we, we've seen an influx of talent. We've seen also reports, you know, on the internet, and some of them seem to have legs from, you know, there's been responsible reporting, and some of them seems to have legs that, you know, players are still coming in, so, uh, and attacking one, players. One more player's coming in, and then that's going to be it, Roberto, but it's, okay. uh, it's a guy that they're really... I think counting on, uh, even though he's just 18 years old. Let's let's uh, Chang. Let's skip forward to uh, Yo Jovan uh, Jovan Mia. I, I want to make sure Mia Mihavitch. Mihavitch. I've butchered his no, name. No, it's, it's Mianatovich. Johan Mianatovich or Miata, Yeah, something like that. Mianatovich. Hold on, I got to read it, and I can barely see it on my screen. So it's Miatovich, and. Uh, and I think it's Jovan is the way it's pronounced. But we're going to find out when yeah. he gets here. But anyway, this was the we'll Instagram. We'll get the proper pronunciation, so sorry for butchering it now. We'll yeah, get so, it right. yeah, so sorry to the 18-year-old. But uh, in 14 matches in the Serbian top tier, uh, Red Star Belgrade, uh, eight goals, two assists. And uh, this is his Instagram. You know, he had, There's no club announcement yet, but uh, you see he says he's coming to New York City, and I don't think that's for a vacation. So, um, yeah. So you can leave. I you mean, can leave. New York, New York City is the greatest city in the world, Glenn. And so you know, people do come here for vacations. But right in the middle of the season, season, right in the middle of the season in Europe, it's a little, <laughs> little tough to do that for that reason. Yeah. So well, yeah, he, he's going to provide Montsef Bakar with competition, and then when he does arrive and it, and it gets announced that he's the paperwork and the medical and everything that's necessary here. Uh, it looks like it, and we know that there's still uh, Trahinja uh, Tanasiovic, I think I have that right, the defender, uh, also from Serbia. Uh, he's not yet in. Augustine Ojeda, the uh, exciting winger that they're looking for, he's 19. Um, these guys, all three of them, could very well be in camp and be available for the opener. It could happen, which if you, you think so. You if think you could, that they're going to, I mean, the visa process takes a little bit of time and they haven't well, practiced. I would think, week no, I'm just two saying, or maybe week three. I when would I say, think, but I, I mean, you were there, so maybe you know, yeah, no, like but when I say available, maybe that's the wrong word. If they're in, if they're in the New York City fold under the tutelage of Nick Cushing and his staff before the regular season opener, that's kind of what I mean. Where you're really getting them integrated. I'm not well, saying that. Okay, they're... well, that, that's different from what what you made it sound like that they'd yep. be available for selection. And that's what I want to caution against because I think that the visa process just takes a little bit longer than that. Wow, those new glasses have really uh, provided uh, you with insight and clarity. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And like actually, that I've got blood pumping to my heart. It, it's a new feeling, it's something very, very different. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it's uh, it is Miatovich too. I just want to confirm that it's Miatovich that we're talking about. And uh, is it Miatovich or Miatovich? We 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 want no, to get it we, right. Well, we'll I, ask. no, no, actually, I, no. I know no. it's Miatovich. I did look up that pronunciation. I I, I guess I'm just not sure about the. Uh, well, something that New York City is going to do this year, which is very cool. So everybody gets pronunciations right. They're going to have everybody speak into a microphone on how their names should be pronounced, and they're going to put them up on the web, which is what should be done. Every team uh, across the country, MLS, USL, 
anywhere where people have to especially broadcast the games and announce the uh, the names of the uh, players properly. Um, so you can say Agustin. Huh? Ojeda. So you can yeah. say Agustin Ojeda. <laughs> is that the is that the correct? What is yes. the correct? Augustine? Okay. Agustin. It's not all oh. there's not it's not all, uh, even though it's I just see it a, now. Yeah. Agustin. All right. Well, he's a guy that apparently is in the, the, the top 10 in the world for under 20 players for pace with a soccer ball at his feet. So that's Ooh. nice to see. Yes. And, you know, we'll see. And he's got 1v1 uh, skill. And that, that's one of the things I'll probably play this one next week. Uh, ask Nick, you know, there's, there's increased pace now on the flanks. Malachi Jones, the first round draft pick out of Lipscomb, the, the kid with the, you know, adopted the, you know, he and his seven brothers and sisters, you know, by the North Carolina family from Sierra Leone, uh, an orphanage. Uh, he's going to play, man. I, he, oh, he's I mean, good. I mean, he. I saw him first game. I'm like, whoa, check this guy out. I liked it. He's He's got guts. He's got skill. He he. The ball sticks to his feet, and he beats people one-on-one, -on -one and he loves it. You can just tell that this is what he wants to do. It's like, come on in, baby. I want to beat you. Let's yeah. go. I well, like it. He can run. Ojeda can run. And the difference between Bakrar and a big part of the game that he needs to continue to work on, and if he does not excel in this area, it's going to be difficult for him because he and um, Miatovic are, are different players from the striker position. Miatovic can come back and get the ball back to goal, receive it cleanly, uh, Bakrar really struggles in that area, but Bakrar is more running the channels. Miatovic is not going to be that kind of player. So the first thing I think of, well, that's a perfect two-striker front formation. You have one runner and one checking in, and then you got these two jets on the outside. What do you do with Sandy Rodriguez? I understand that. What do you do with Tylus Magno? I understand. What about Julian Fernandez? I understand that. There's a lot of competition. But if you what need to Maxi? get behind someone, it, it's going to be – coming back too, by the way. Say that? How about Maxi? Maxi's coming back too. Maxi coming and Andres Jason, who yeah. who uh, really matured last year, and and oh, he's yeah. in the he, he, I, he finished the season really strongly. Yeah. So you know, for a I'm, team that had never had it, you know, oh, a player forgot. score a uh, a, ho a homegrown player score a goal, and then all of a sudden they started to come in bunches. We almost forgot Hannes Wolf too. He's going to play a lot. Oh yeah, so, there's him too. Yeah. So, so th there's a there's, lot of, I'm telling you, the, the, the team invested a lot of money in bringing players in. Well, do you remember when I showed you my um, my three five or my three four three formation? Uh, I, I thought that uh, this would uh, I don't know provide. And this was the uh, this is not having all the players in yet, uh, but um, I, I mean that because of all this attacking talent, um, it's you're probably not going to go with uh, three central defenders and two midfielders. Uh, with New York City FC, I mean, we're we're looking at four three three four two three one, and, and I, I guess this is going to be something that I'll that we'll have to ask, and maybe you did already, and ask Nick is some of the formations he's going to have are going to be opponent um, dictated. So where is or is it going to be New York City? This is going to be our formation for can deal with it, or is it going to be oh, I think we can maybe neutralize X player or X system by switching it all up. And so it's going to be interesting because he's got a plethora of players now.
Yeah. I mean, and, and mostly, mostly attacking, you know, and I still think maybe you need some depth pieces in the back, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But maybe, you know, some of those academy players are going to wind up sticking with the team and getting some minutes, you know, and I'm mostly I'm thinking about left back because behind O'Toole, you only have right now is McFarland. So um, you wonder if they're going to reinforce over there. Um, so we'll, we'll see. No. Or are they going to stick with it? No. And, and, hey, no. I don't mind. No, that's the two. That's what they've got right now. And there's no reinforcements. Um, I, I, I'm pretty certain of that. Um, so it's O'Toole, number one, McFarlane, number two, on the left. On the right, it's Micha Ilinich and Tavon Gray. Gray moved into the middle. He can play central defense. And I said on the broadcast yesterday, I don't know if you caught it, is that yes, I still – I did. I still feel like he he looks more comfortable as a central defender than a but fullback. Then, look, didn't to we me. talk about this? Look, what was it like three or four years ago? We talked about this with one of the assistant coaches, and I forgot who it was. Okay, because we knew, you know, I brought it up before that that, that Tavon on the U seventeen teams in the World Cup had played central defense. That was his position. But then when he came to New York City, they moved him out wide, and one of the reasons was because of his height. Now, he's not short, but for a central defender, he might be considered short. So in for New York City way of looking at it, I presume, it's more of a stopgap situation because last year when they had the option to do that, or the year before as well, I mean, they, they would move um, Justin Hack into that position or somebody else, as opposed to Tavon, who actually had experience playing that position. So maybe now he's changed minds because he's got a couple of years under his belt and, you know, uh, defensively he's about as solid as any player you have on that back line. I mean, his issues have always been on this team. You know, if he's good enough offensively, if he can, if he can cross the ball well enough or, you know, make the right decision going forward. But defensively, I mean, the kid's solid as they come. So yeah. um, I'm wondering, you know, if, if now they feel that whatever he lacks in height, if that is actually an issue, that he makes it up in other ways. Well, he can elevate. I mean, he he had a headed clearance. I don't. Uh, it must have been in the second half yesterday. That's the only time he played central defense. That uh, I thought was uh, you know, pretty awesome. I mean, he got high in the air and 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 got it out of there. But you've got the central defender coming in, uh, Tanasiyevich. For depth, but that's an area that would, it was Burke Reese and Tiago Martins, and that was it. You were either going to drop James Sands back, you were going to drop Justin Hack back, you were going to push Tavon Gray into the middle. Now they have we the Serbian. Put Alfredo Morales back there anymore, that's for sure. Alfredo, he uh, dragging down Malachi Jones in the openers. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And tap and tapping Micha Ilinich on the cheek, friendly a uh, little tap on the cheek during a set piece. I mean, he was very well liked. We'll miss yeah. him. He's a good guy. Uh, I hope I, I wish him well out in San Jose. Yeah. Burke Risa. So mentioned Burke. Uh, he uh, was kind enough to sit down with me. And I don't know if you remember this photo. Th this I remember being struck by a photo. It was his very first game. It was right after League's Cup. They played Minnesota at City Field, uh, New York City. And uh, he'd only been with the club on a couple of weeks. And it was this photo of him like almost like the captain would, you know, you could tell he was encouraging oh, yeah. words. He was gesturing. Uh, and, you know, he basically had just gotten there. So I asked him about that. And here's what he said. Yeah, I think I think you guys see the picture bigger than it is. It's like or, or it's nice to have like to see see me staking forward and take a responsibility on it. But 
I would say it's in my nature just to be uh, beyond the game. And when I first get in my game mode, it's it's more like I gain energy from it. My teammates, for sure, gain energy from it, being being vocal and try to push each other. It's been a part of my game since, yeah, I can remember. So it's like, for me, it's very natural. Uh, and uh, it's it doesn't matter for me how long you've been in a club because I think we all want to achieve the biggest thing you can achieve in a club together and win the next game and the game after that so it's like if that can help people to reach their potential in the game and help them with this i think that's that's a part of my job all right and i'm glad that you brought that up because i think it's really important and it it i remember that last year i i remember like being taken aback that all of a sudden he just got here and he's like I, i'm taking over okay <laughs> so you know what when they when Last year, I think that there was a lot of questioning about who the leaders were and who were going to, the leaders were going to be because of the, the youth of the team. What was the second youngest club in MLS? Um, and obviously, you had people like Tiago Martins there, Santi Rodriguez, who also, I think, quietly is, is, a, is a leader there, too. Um, yeah. So... But you have other guys as well. But I love the fact that he came in and he was like, hey, I don't mind taking on this responsibility. Uh, I, I'm going for this. You know, I'm a starter now. I'm here. I'm in the back. I'm looking at everything in front of me. I'm talking to the goalie. You know, I'm. Uh, th this is how I feel and this is what I'm going to do. And I love it from him. I absolutely love it. But it takes guts to do that. And... Uh, and I think that it's something that's very, very positive. And now that he's got a full preseason under his belt, aside from having played several games last year, I expect New York City to have a much more solid back line, at least communication-wise and everything. I think everything's going to go, everything's going to go a lot better. Plus, everybody knows how they, everybody else plays. I'm going to put up the full interview at some point, maybe on my other pod on frame, just so everybody can hear, because I do ask him specifically about defending. I told him about watching YouTube before he oh. got here and questioning whether he was a very good one v one defender. He had a, he had a good response, and then when I turned the mic off, I, I didn't ask this during the interview, but I had noticed that for the U twenty ones in Norway, he had like he had six goals in twenty three matches. So I'm like, how'd you score those goals? Was it on set pieces? He goes, no, I was a striker. So not that long ago, he was a forward player on the national team level, youth national team level in Norway. He went to a club called Odd in Norway, winger. He transferred to Cone, which is the club he was with before he came to New York City FC. He, they originally acquired him as a winger, but they had two guys. I, I forget what it was, maybe one injured, one transferred, left backs, and they just needed a left back. He had a left peg, and they said, you're in the back now, and the rest is history. But how about that? I mean, you talk about being multifaceted and it's exact and which explains a lot of things. Right. Because one of the reasons, the main reason that they that they brought him in is that they wanted a left foot central defender who yeah. can switch the ball 40, 50 yards down the field to the right wing. And you see him do this and it's effortless. It's absolutely effortless. And what Nick had said, right, uh, was that whatever issues he might have defending we can teach him that we can and now we understand that better based on what he's telling you that he really wasn't a central defender right so now he is and if whatever you know little techniques he needed 
that I mean, for him, it shouldn't be hard to learn. I mean, if you can learn all these different positions and they're switching you around, I mean, it's going to be a piece of cake. I'm looking forward, really looking forward to seeing him play this year. Well, he's a, a very smart player, and part of his response was just reading the game and not putting himself into a position. I don't know. We, we uh, Maddie and I, on commentary last year, we, you know, we were expecting to see how he handled 1v1 uh, situations at the back. He rarely put himself in that position, you know, and it was through very much through organization vision. The one thing we do know, so uh, his first two games with New York City last year, he played 10 in all, were a couple of defeats, lost 2-0 to uh, Minnesota and then 3-0 to Cincinnati. But in the final eight games, just one loss. And it was a tough one. It was at DCU, at DC United. Oh, and horrific pretty, game for everybody. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just was that was one of the poorest games of the season. Unfortunate because it was when it was a stretch where New York City was starting to play pretty well too. Was, so. Right, they came in playing pretty well. Everybody expected a win against a terrible team, especially I believe that the Red Bulls had blown them out five nothing or five one or something like that in the previous game. And so uh, New York City should have handled them easily and they got totally outplayed and that cost them that that game cost them going to the playoffs that was decent if you want to put it on one game that if they had gotten a different result or they had done what was expected oh, yeah. of them yeah. that was the game no it was and that was wayne rooney's last game everybody knew he was leaving it was the last game of the year remember dc united had a bye for the 29 yeah, on the last week so on that the was game 34. Week. So they were out of the playoffs even before the game started. They could have won. They were in a, they were in a playoff position yeah, how about a that? week to go, and they weren't <laughs> going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. All right, so that's uh, that's our guy, Burke Risa. Uh, I also talked to I, – I was so fortunate. We said at the top uh, talking to all these different coaches. I have a list of who – I talked to Dean Smith, Ashley Westwood, the captain for Charlotte, Dave Vandenberg, assistant of Portland, Frank Klopas and Chris Mueller at Chicago. Klopas, the new permanent coach. Mueller back from an injury. Lucha Gonzalez at San Jose. Josh Wolf and Brad Stuver. Sat with Brad Stuver for a half uh, hour. Wonderful to reconnect. And then Cushing. What was the word again? Envious, Glenn? Was that the word? Envious? envious. Yeah, envious. So that, and then yes, Greg that's Vanny. what I am. But we mentioned uh, Maximo Carrizo earlier, and he's 15 years old. He's going to turn 16, as John Rojas, Rojas told me yesterday. Uh, I think February 28th, he'll be 16 years old. Uh, so and so he's gotten on the pitch in preseason. But again, Nick alluded to the fact that he's probably going to be a, a NYCFC two player. You never know what happens, but that's where he's going to start the year. Uh, Dean Smith has a 15-year-old too. Now, I don't know if you watch this kid play uh, with the U-17s, the U.S. U-17s at the World Cup, Nymphasha Berkemus. It's Nymphasha Berkemus. He scored three goals for the U.S. He was the youngest player on that U-17 team. He's the youngest player. Uh, he's probably, I think he was the youngest player at Coachella, uh, certainly for North Carolina, excuse me, Charlotte. And he scored a goal uh, yesterday in, in, um, in a start, and it was his second consecutive start. So talking to Dean Smith and starting the 15-year-old, uh, he had an interesting response to that. I can tell you the truth that there was a few, more than a few eyebrows raised by my, my fellow coaches when I said I was going to start him. Um, you know, somebody of 15 years of age, you know, and I said, go on, be honest, ask me, ask me any questions about why I'm starting and they weren't sure he was ready, but I, 
I've always been that. You don't know whether they're ready unless you try them. Give them that opportunity. I've liked what I've seen from him in training so far. He's a fast twitch player. He can press very quickly because he's got real good acceleration. He handles the ball well. Um, you know, we're still coaching him. We're, he's still learning and he's still developing. And, and you know, he's still got years of maturation to come, which is really more exciting. You know, being 15 years old. Uh, but I just like to give people that opportunity when I see them doing so well in training. And I thought he was really good today. Are you a proponent of the old proverb, uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough? No, oh, without a shadow. You know, Wayne Rooney gets his chance at 16 years of age at Everton. Um, you know, if somebody didn't give him that chance, who knows how, how his career would go. And they need that opportunity to go and play. I love it. That's how about great. that? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's really good. And now I understand why you said North Carolina, Dean Smith, North Carolina. I mean, it's sort of hard, and it's sort of hard to listen to somebody named Dean Smith speak with a British accent. I'm going to suggest—I don't know this for a fact—but I'm the only media person who didn't ask him about that. I, I I decided going into that interview, and I had about a half hour with him that I was not going to ask him about Dean Smith, the basketball legend, even though. I love Dean Smith, the basketball legend. I've, I've read his books, which are coaching books and really helpful. A couple of things there. First, the skepticism of his assistants, which includes Miles Joseph now, the associate head coach uh, from Portland uh, to, yeah. um, to Charlotte. And he talked about fast twitch player. Now, this is interesting, Roberto. I was standing next to Nick Cushing. And we were observing the Charlotte game uh, before New York City's game. We were just watching. And there was this number 27 out there. And he was just, he was bossing the game a bit, but working so hard, but in a, in a real positive way. And, and we, we kind of both looked at each other and said, who's that? You know, and, and Nick would say, well, he's, he's really um, had a positive impact. So I asked later, and it was Nymphasha Burkimis. And uh, Burkimis. Berkimus is the way he pronounces it. And uh, I thought that was, um, I was like, wow, yeah, well, he, he's going to have a chance to play. We're going to see a 15-year-old play in this league this year. There's little question this guy's making the first team uh, for Charlotte. Well, I mean, also Charlotte let go of two of their DPs and, you know, uh, forward players. So uh, we have to see who uh, comes in and replaces them in time for the New York City game if they do. So uh, it's an interesting way to start out the season. One of them didn't want to be there. The other one had an opportunity to go to Europe. So goodbye. Well, we'll see if New York City faces them. It's the uh, opener, New York City at Charlotte, February 24th. And, uh, and we'll see what happens. One other coach I want to present because I thought his response to this one was pretty damn interesting. Greg Vanny is the LA Galaxy coach. The Galaxy's opener, and it's their home opener as well. They're playing host to Inter Messi. Good old Lionel Messi and Inter Miami coming into town. And, and they're playing it at Dignity Health. They're not moving it to the Rose Bowl. But that's an interesting part of the story, too, I think. But I, um, I brought up the fact, you know, you, you don't want to look ahead. But Inter Miami with this global travel, and maybe that gives uh, the Galaxy a little bit of an edge, especially since Inter Miami also opens the regular season on the 21st of February before they play the Galaxy on the February 25th. Yeah, they open against RSL. So here was my little chat about that. But he, he talks about a, a couple of things that he experienced too, which I thought was interesting. Happy that they flew like 50,000 miles to play all these <laughs> scrimmages across the globe in the Middle East. And uh, 
they do have that appearance of maybe being a little worn out. I tell you, I have two experiences. One was in 2008 when I rejoined back with the Galaxy for my last season and, and David Beckham was here. And we did a similar tour where we ended. We went to Hawaii and Honolulu and we played two games there. And then from there, we went to Korea, to China, to Hong Kong and back. Wow. Uh, and we did not start the season well at all. And we had a tough run. Now, they have more more talent collectively than we did at the time, but they it was not an easy one. The second one was in 2018 with uh, with Toronto after the treble and going into the CONCACAF Champions League. We did a, a, a trip to, to L.A., back to Toronto, down to Mexico City to try to, to get used to the altitude and to play down there, to Colorado to play our first game, back to Toronto. We started to fly everywhere, and, and it didn't get us – long-term what we wanted we did well in the champions league but we lost so many guys over the process and that's you know well documented but those are my two experiences with a lot of travel in the early days and then the preseason and neither of them went super well in the longer term so uh, i i hope for them that that it does go better than it went for us but not on the day that they play us hopefully they have not on february 25th no it's gonna be gonna (laughs) be very interesting how about that? Especially the uh, the Beckham experience in 08, you know, that's that's that mimics that. And how about and now Beckham is the owner, you know, at Miami and, and he's pretty much designed with the help of others. I'm sure the almost the exact same trip, knowing that in 08, it was pretty disastrous for the Galaxy. Interesting. Or maybe huh? he didn't and maybe he didn't and was against it. And the Moss brothers decided Oh no, we need to do this for whatever financial yeah, reasons. Yeah. And uh they were like, Oh no, we know better. I don't know. But I mean they Beckham would know that it's a bad idea to to do this. Well, uh our friend uh, Ariel Hudis, by the way, Vanny, five trophies as a player, five trophy trophies as a coach, all those trophies as a coach at Toronto FC. By the way, I, the memorizing all those places that he went to all these years ago, yeah. you know. But, it's amazing. It's vivid. Yeah. Miami ho- tonight. Miami's hosting Newell's Old Boys. Our our friend Ariel Hudis is there covering for uh, MLS. Yeah. That was Messi's youth club before he moved on to Barcelona. So there's a nice connection there. But here's another scrimmage for old Inter Miami. I wonder how well, long that's Messi- okay because I mean at least it's at home now. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a good. That's like the only good preseason game that they have that that's a positive i think maybe you can throw in the uh fc dallas one at the cotton bowl but um yeah the the rest of the tour i mean horrific for them yeah and i think it's really going to hurt them aside from the fact that they lost farias they lost kremaski uh they lost um not alba um busquets I don't know if he's back yet, you know, but terrible injury it looked like against uh, Vissel Kobe. Yeah. I mean, that it couldn't have – they lost Messi for a while, right, because he was feeling it. Uh, it basically couldn't have gone much worse for them, and I don't think yeah. they're going to start the season well. Based on what Vanny said and just based on logic, it just – I mean, all those days that they could have been training, they could have been working on things, and then – they're traveling, you know, and, you know, these plane rides aren't, you know, here to New England where it's 29 <laughs> minutes, wheels up, wheel down. 
Yeah, okay? yeah I and know. Find this because we've done this, right? I mean, we're talking hours and hours and hours and hours on a plane, and you know, you got to still walk around every so often because whatever it could be, just horrific. And uh, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it served them well. I'm very interested to see how they wind up starting the season. I was also sort of shocked about the level of minutes that Tata Martino was giving his principal players. So like Messi played 45 in his first game, played 60 in change in his second game. And I'm like, he's 36 years old. What are you doing? Hey, listen. I mean, that that just seems... Tata, he was asked, he's been asked before about how much is there any pressure from the club, from the league about playing Messi, Apple deal, the whole thing. And he he always denies that, uh, you know, there's any pressure for he's nobody's told him he's got to play him, that he's basing everything on the physical evidence and the data. So we'll just have to trust Tata on that. Now, the other thing, Roberto, so Miami opens on February 21st. By February 20th, there's this MLS rule that a day before your opener, you have to be MLS compliant from your budget uh, standpoint. Well, look oh, at this yeah. tweet. Look at this tweet from Tom Bogert. <laughs> so, they are screwed, said one rival exec. Trust me, because they've got to shed this uh, salary slash ad gam, as uh, Tom has tweeted, that he retweeted himself because, and as you see, 443,000 views of this tweet because uh, a large que- everybody's got the question uh you know look chris henderson is there the, the new sporting director and i think he's done a you know, really a wonderful job in, in kind of escaping the 5dp thing that they had at that one point that they had but man you know you you see all these different players added at what has to be decent money um and i don't know all the budget rules so i don't i cannot even come close to satisfying a really intelligent conversation about this. But I do know I was with the Chicago Fire, and I know that, and this is after Kellen Acosta was going to be signed, and then it happened. So I talked to Frank Klopas about Acosta, knowing that it was going to happen while we were there. But the thing is, is that the Fire, before the day before their opener, I think they have two more players that they're going to have to drop. Jairo Torres, the uh, really disappointing DP, they, they flat out, uh, you know, just terminated his contract. So I think yeah. that was not good for the fire or maybe even the player. But um, so if if that's if that's even half true, all everything that's put down there by Tom and in his reporting, and I'm sure it is, that's pretty crazy. I, I mean, we all we don't know, but we know. Right. You understand what I'm trying to say? It just looks bad. It's look. I mean, it's sort of like, how do you get these players and stay compliant? Now, we don't know what the deals are, but it almost looks impossible for them to be able to, to have done this. And we're wondering, you know, when does the other shoe drop? And I expected, and we talked about this, I'm sure, at some point last year, that we really thought that to help out Miami and to help out other teams that want to be a little bit more proactive and aggressive in bringing, you know, players into this league that during the off season, that rules would be adjusted. But Don Garber in his press conference before MLS cup, shut that down pretty quickly saying we're not adjusting anything. So it's interesting to see 
how they're going to get compliant, what they're going to have to do, because it's not just a matter of, okay, we have to drop all these players and drop all that salary. That's not alone is not going to do it. They need to trade it for GAM. They need to bring cash in to pay down other guys. So just dropping them isn't going to do it. Now, you know, there's, I don't think there's a team in MLS that's going to try to help them out. You know, everybody's going to be like, well, you know, uh, well, that's, that's, I'll give uh, you 10 cents on the dollar for me, Robert uh, Taylor or, yeah. they, you know, or Yedlin. You know, right. I'll give you 10 cents on the dollar. And the only thing that can sort of save them is that they actually have two or more teams that might be interested in a player. And then they can start playing one against the other and then trying to make some money on that. But if Roberto, there isn't me... more than two players, that two teams that are interested in somebody, it's going to be a freaking bargain. Wow. What is the – do you have any idea what would happen if they weren't compliant uh, the day before that game or leading into that first match? Do they just get – do they get fined? I mean, what, what well, is last, the – last time when they got caught, which was sort of different, as you mentioned, they had five DPs, right, yeah. and two of them were under the table. Um was that they got a $2 million fine and they got all sorts of uh, other punishment about players that they could sign and, and things like that. There's going to be some sort of punishment for them. It's not just going to be, well, just drop somebody and we'll see what we'll do. I mean, there's going to be some sort of punishment and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. And they've got less time than anybody else because they opened the season against RSL on the 21st. That's going to be an interesting one to follow. And uh, from... Um... My boys at Sirius XMFC just got notification this morning that every Inter-Miami match will be on the air in both English and Spanish. You'll enjoy hearing that. But every Inter-Miami match. Now, in the past, Sirius XMFC has always had this contract with MLS. And every weekend, there's or Wednesday nights or whenever the games are, uh, there's a variety of games on. There's, you know, there, there's a rotation, basically, so that each team... Uh, but with <laughs> Intermessi is a different animal, right? And look at their impact now on this place where I work too. Is like every game, I I, I almost I, I could believe it, but I was like, wow, I, I, and in Spanish. Yeah, well, it makes sense, but they yeah. don't have a hell of a lot of programming in Spanish. I'm 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 a subscriber to uh, SiriusXM. Uh, to listen to the coaching academy exclusively. Thank but you. I've noticed. Yes, I've noticed. <laughs> that they don't have a plethora of Spanish offerings. It's, look, something that I've spoken about, and I've asked the league repeatedly, and I asked Joe Tolleson when he was working there. By the way, good news for Joe Tolleson. He got hired by Apple TV. Yeah. He's going to be doing games awesome. on Apple TV. I'm really happy for him. Gio Savaresi as well, by the way. That's yeah. a little bit of an aside. Gio is going to be hosting uh, the show. Diego Valeri uh, is now a uh, game commentator. So uh, congrats to both of them. I'm really happy for Joe uh, and for and for Gio. Um, but I've asked year every year. I ask why aren't there games in Spanish? You know, the same way that there are games in English. And everybody's like, oh, we're going to go look into it. And then I never got an answer. It's like every because they should be. Well, mark this down. Be. Mark this down. It's channel nine ninety nine. So you got to go up high on the dial, and that's well. The well that's uh, that's not good. Okay, so then basically, it's on the app. And it is on the app. On the app. It, it, it right? is. It's Matthew, only on the app. Yeah, can be. They can be heard on the app. That uh, that. Uh, thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so uh, yeah. yeah. It, so if you start looking for it in your car radio, yeah. it's not yeah. going to go to nine ninety nine. 
That's okay. Everybody can, should be able to play through their app nowadays, right? If they're in the car, that's the way it I'm works. I'm getting CarPlay in my car. I'm really I, excited. I rented a car that had it, and man, I, I want to get it now. I mean, it you is. You can. For you, it's easier probably than for me. I'll ask about your car uh, in my place. It's not cheap Please. to do it for me, but uh, it's probably going to be cheaper to do it. For yeah, dude, a ask for me because it was like, it was awesome, especially for navigation. The whole thing, man, it was like. Yeah, CarPlay is pretty cool. It was pretty cool. All right. All right, let's yeah, go kicking my, my, it my around. My car is on the expensive side, so uh, time, yeah. Time to kick it around. Roberto, I try to get motivated for Kit Reveal Day every year, you know, because I know oh, what stop. a big... You, no, you don't. You don't. You, no, I... you hate it. You hate no, it. I don't, don't even go wrong. there. You no, you're to using, get motivated. You just you're, you despise this thing. You, you're using a wrong word again. You you used before jealous when it should have been envious, and now you're using the word hate when it should be more. I'm not interested. I don't hate it. I'm not interested. I'm interested in how the games are played. I'm interested in Orlando City adding a Luis uh, Muriel. How do you pronounce his name? Muriel. I think it's Muriel. Uh, As a designated player and how that's going yeah. to enhance their attack. Or that uh, New York City is getting, getting Miatovich to enhance. I, that's what I'm interested in. However, I also think that there's been an enhancement in the uh, social media presentations of the kids. And, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. So let's play the New York City one. All right. Thank God that a kid is teaching because that's how you know we're going to dance. Very New York City. Very New I, York City. I'm disappointed that me with my new glasses and my new look, I wasn't invited. I think I fit right in. I was just about to say, I didn't see anybody anybody in their 60s in that video. I didn't see anybody in their 40s in that video. <laughs> my wife and we're I are going like... It seems, Glenn, that we're not the target demographic. I, well, that's been evident <laughs> for a while now. But, yes... Uh, my wife and I are going to that club tonight, though. Just to just. To oh, I'm I'm sure yeah. you are. Like you wouldn't like you know where Brooklyn is. Good luck with that. Uh, no, I know where Brooklyn. I'm I'm a Brooklyn guy. I I, I coached at LIU Brooklyn for four years. So uh, yeah, but that was so long ago that it's like it it, it could have been Chester, Pennsylvania. No, a lot has changed since the time I was there. I will say that I was in a, a tricky part of the neighborhood, which is now like, hey. 
all, all things are cool, man. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, what do you think of the new kit, Roberto? I actually, I actually really like it. It's very simple. It's got the blue and orange, which I, I like the idea of the blue and orange on it, uh, especially as his team makes its way to Queens. So um, I, th I think it's really nice. I, it's probably going to be added to my collection at some point. I like the green one from last year, the third kit, the third. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I really like that one uh, we, too. I hope we get to see it this year. I thought the Parks one was pretty damn cool. I, they're doing a really good job with uh, with the shirts. Well, the Parks really kit, are. The Parks kit was wonderful because I think there's like seventeen hundred parks in Manhattan. Uh, I mean, in the city, mm -hmm. in the five boroughs, and uh, and it was just uh, demarking. As those. long as they don't put like you know, like dark blue numbers or dark orange numbers on the black back part, you know, and we can actually see them. It should be contrasting. That will be very cool. Yeah, just white numbers. If you want to put a just little white, orange yes. trim or something, that, you know. That's fine. You could do blue and orange trim. I think that would be fantastic. But yeah. white, primary, we can see that. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. the point of having numbers and names. So you can identify the players if you don't know them personally. <laughs> okay. If they're not breaking bread with you that evening, you should have a name and a and a number on them. It's not hard to ask. It's not a lot to ask. At this Coachella, doing these games at the Coachella Invitational, if uh, and New York City played on this field two out of the three games where the cameras were shooting into the sun, in essence, and there's shadows and um, yeah. was the producer it, from DC. <laughs> Yeah, have I corrected that yet? No. What, what Roberto is talking about is Audi Field. The best thing I've ever seen in MLS, not the best, it's just the funniest thing I've seen in MLS was doing a game at Audi Field and watching Julian Gressel, I think it was, having to shield his eyes playing right wing as the ball was traveling to him so he could see because the sun was in his eyes on right wing. I mean, it was nuts. Um, yeah. Anyway, and anyway, is for for our for our business, um, they put the press box on the wrong side of the field, and that's what they did. They made a huge mistake and put the the press box on the wrong side of the field. It had to be on the opposite side, like where the sun is behind you when it's setting, because nobody plays games at five six in the morning during the summer. So. Um, the, the, and so the sun shines into the press box, shines into the cameras, shines into our eyes. Like, and, and for faces. us, it's like a double negative because not only is it shining in, like into our eyes, but also we're enclosed in glass. They've put us in a freaking fishbowl at the end line. Oh. We have one. We have two fishbowls, one right next to the other behind press row. And that's where we do the games from, totally enclosed in glass, where if they flooded and they filled it to the top, nobody else would know about it. That's it would just right. be us. And they're, oh, yeah, I guess we killed them. Well, Audi Field, Audi Field for the broadcasters uh, in many ways, including the home broadcasters, is a, it's a disaster. You know, yes. it's like a, it's just a, and when you think about uh, putting a lot of thought into the construction of a stadium, you have to consider things like the press area because yes. you're trying to get like, you're trying to get uh, you know publicity out about your team, you know? So, oh my God. I mean, they, they did everything backwards. I mean, okay. I'm going to go on a rant here. So not, not only is a press box poorly situated as far as where the sun comes into the press box and you can't see the field, 
All right. So if the uh, if you're looking at the bottom over here of uh, the uh, of our graphic of where we're sitting, so where we sit would be right under Glenn's right arm. Okay, that's where we sit. That's the field. That's the goal. The uh, the dressing room. Okay, for both teams is to the left of that. Okay, so if you're looking at the left part of your computer where the screen is, that's where that is. To get to the dressing room, you have to go all the way to the right side of the press box underneath uh, this arm right here. Where is it? There, right there. And then go down the stairs and then come all the way across to go there. I mean, it's like, how do you design this? No, I mean, it's I, nuts for a new stadium. It was put together horribly. Now, are they going to let us go back after this rant? I don't know. They should, you know, you know, take some criticism. You know, the you know the press box is wrong. It should be built on the other side. They should freaking correct it. Hey, I'll do the I'll do the game off a of TV at a local pub. You know, that'd be more entertaining. Well, but, if uh, you have a couple of beers in you, yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, Roberto. Well, uh, good one. Uh, good to see you back. And uh, you look great. And I, I know uh, each day is better for you. And, and it's time now to, uh, you know, continue your uh, look at a cure for cancer and get back in the lab, you know, so you can, you can, you can give us. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I'm maybe. just happy my heart's still ticking. And uh, I've been to rehab now three times and uh, I'm, I'm pushing myself every time and I'm being able to get out of there. So I'm here. So, so far, so good. And you're traveling with this uh, all to uh, Charlotte, so that's uh, that's yes, the best. Yes, looking line forward yet. to it. And we, as you gave us the itinerary today, we get in earlier than normal, and that's pretty cool. That's nice pretty city. cool. We'll so, see. Probably so, see our good friend Steve Goldberg at some point, who I was uh, in contact with uh, down there at Coachella. But uh, anyway, uh, New York City's got the scrimmage closed door Saturday against uh, Austin FC. The, uh, Josh Wolf, one of the other um, coaches I interviewed, said it's going. There are going to be people in the stadium. It's going to be like a VIP thing. So, Roberto, I want you to do your research. Get out, you know, all your contacts. Let's see if we can find somebody that's at that game and give us uh, give us some information. I, that's <laughs> nuts, actually. Um, well, don't go too crazy. On this. Don't go no, too no, crazy. No, no, no. On actually, yeah. uh, one of one of my good friends and ex um, ex you know uh, partners at. At, ES, uh, at ESPN, uh, la this year is no longer their play-by-play -play in Spanish. And so uh, he probably would have been there. So we don't know well, what's going to happen. Well, uh, that's I mean, it really uh, – Roger Valdivieso, very Valdivieso is no longer there, which, is, which bums me out. All right, that bums it, me it, out too, but it's not helpful for us uh, to get information on the on it. Well, well, maybe there'll maybe there'll be a little something, but I, I don't think anything's going to come of it. And we'll see what happens. We'll get to talk to uh, the the team. Will be back in New York, I'm sure. On Thursday, we'll be there at training to see what's going on, and uh, and hopefully do our uh, our next pod uh, next Thursday. Yes. Now here's what I hope for. It's the only thing I care about. Nobody get hurt. That's it. If if they if they come out. 100% intact, no injuries, no pulls, no sprains, no nothing. It's a win. Aside from that, nothing else matters. Not Sorry, true. Sorry, Keaton. I know that you think that wins are important and all that at this point. Save it for the regular season. Do it in Charlotte. Win Meaning the first. Austin, I don't think matters. They're playing two sixties. Win the first sixty minutes. That's what I say. And then, and then you can. I think you're feeling. Then you're feeling okay. Yeah. You know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be different on that one uh, yeah. all the way through. 
But nice to see you, Roberto. Uh, for Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.